They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am Chad, and today our episode is brought to you by Bombas, the mind-blowing athletic leisure sock with a mission to help those in need. And with Bombas, you got to remember to be better. And my apologies there, Primetime Paws. I'm half, uh, you know, not being able to hear after that intro was very loud. But how are you today, my friend? I'm doing pretty damn good, Chatty B. How the hell are you? Doing well. I got a little ringing in the ear, but that's okay because today on the show we have the one and only, the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. What are your thoughts on this fantastic, great legend joining our show this afternoon? Well, it was awesome to get a chance to talk to the Russian nightmare himself. He's one of those guys uh, that I always had on the list of guys I always want to interview. He's always been a huge fan. And he's one of those guys that was kind of gone too soon out of the business. You know, you, you got that small eight-year window or, or so, you would say, of a career. And uh, left you wanting more. And uh, he definitely was a guy that I wanted to interview for a long time. Oh, yeah, totally. I remember, you know, we first were talking about guys and, he was definitely on the top of that list, and uh, we we definitely say that because it's it's so true. That is a, a small window, and when we were even preparing for the interview, it's so funny. You know, you think like you think of his name, and it's so synonymous with Jim Crockett Promotions and NWA in the 1980s. But really, you know, he had those huge feuds, and and by the mid 90s, he was gone. But I, I don't mean to sort of uh, introduce a new segment here, but I'm gonna put you on the spot. Primetime pause. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite Nikita Koloff match? Ooh, that's a good one. There's a bunch that I really, really like, but uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one that I always remember always sticks out is uh, Starcade 86, him versus Ric Flair for the title, the main event. That one's always one that sticks out. I really like it. Um, I don't know, for some reason, I always also liked. Uh, when he had that Russian chain match with Sting, I know like it wasn't highly rated like Meltzer or anything, but it was just a cool match at the time. Seeing it, it's like, oh my god, this Russian chain match! This guy, yeah, you know, he's gonna kill Sting. But uh, well, I guess I'm gonna have to go Flair and Nikita, even though he had some great tag matches too, obviously with uh, Uncle Ivan. Oh yeah, totally. And it's, it's funny he'll he'll mention that himself. You know, his feud with Ric Flair and his uh, ascension. You know, from when he got into the business to how soon after he was. Uh, actually facing uh, Ric Flair. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk to him about, which he, we, of course, did cover, was his team of the superpowers with Dusty Rhodes. That was just always something that stood out to me. I always loved those Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup tournaments and uh, when you put those two guys together. 
it just was uh, at that time it was such a a cool unique combination and he definitely gives the uh the skinny if you will on him and dusty teaming yeah that was a uh, very very memorable memorable the uh, superpowers then winning the Crockett Cup in 87, that was awesome. Um, just looking back, it was just a crazy time because you, obviously things changed with Magnum and Dusty and Nikita being in the killer heel, then obviously Magnum's accident, and then Nikita turns face, which was a huge shock at the time. But basically, essentially, he went from the number one heel to the number one face and then started feuding with player. I mean, very, very cool stuff, and then uh, obviously him and Dusty together as a team is so unique because you never thought it would happen, but cool, cool stuff. Right, exactly. You know, the Cold War in the 1980s, you know, obviously the Russians were uh, played out to be quite the villain, and uh, he talks about another uh, scenario where the Russian was the villain, and that is Rocky Four. and what a great story, one that I actually, I mean, I don't know how oblivious I was that this is common knowledge, but uh, how close he really was to becoming Ivan Drago. Yeah, awesome stuff. I actually always thought it was just a rumor. I didn't actually think it was ever really true because it sounds like one of those stories where, like, yeah, well, you know, it sounds too good to be true. It's like, yeah, he would be an awesome Ivan Drago, but that, that would never happen. But he actually tried out for the movie, and he almost got it. But it's funny. He'll tell you the reason why he basically didn't get it and why Dolph Lundgren did end up getting the Ivan Drago role in Rocky against Sylvester Sloan, but I'll leave that to him to tell a story. But awesome stuff on that one. I I loved yeah. the, uh, his response. Totally, yeah. And then another thing, too, that kind of uh, we needed to address was an urban legend of him possibly joining uh, the WWF in the mid-'80s as a uh, Hulk Hogan opponent. And one thing that you and I have always talked about was uh, that rumor that he was going to join in time for WrestleMania 2 to be Hogan's opponent at WrestleMania 2, which, you know, you kind of debunked to me, but it was, uh, we needed to get that question out there. And he gets another great story, great answer about, you know, possibly jumping to the WWF and why it never happened. Yeah, that was great because not only did you get the real true story from him about what really happened, and, you know, you get to clear up all those rumors, are they true, is it not? You also get a great story about when he actually does meet Vince and what him and Vince talk about in the meeting. And basically, as everyone knows, he never ended up going there, but he'll tell you why he didn't go there and why he stuck to Jim Crockett's promotions at that point. So that's a really cool story that, that you got to listen to as well. Totally. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. And I know you will all enjoy, and please, please, and John will uh, ask for your uh, re review help again, but please leave a review if you did enjoy this episode via iTunes. It helps the, uh, the rankings out and just gives us a little bit of feedback. But, John, before we get into all the plugs and where we can send all the fine folks, we're going to just throw out our little announcement we've been talking about the last couple episodes, and that is for the Glenn Kelly Eternal Tranquility Charity Event in Seaside Heights, New Jersey, on June 13th. And that is we will be broadcasting live from about 12 to 2. Uh, but we will be having a special guest at our general area, and that is former ECW heavyweight champion John. He's not just the coolest. He's not just the best, but 
Oh, yeah, he's just incredible. Oh, yeah, just incredible will be joining us. He will be setting up shop. He'll be signing autographs. Uh, he'll be taking pictures. He'll be doing his thing. We'll be doing our thing, and hopefully he'll come on and, uh, and join us for a few minutes that day. Maybe he'll join us in the future as well on another show. Got to get that all worked out, but he will be there. And, John, that's enough out of me. Can't wait for that event. It's only a few weeks away from this recording. But where else can we send the fine folks, the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling? Just to piggyback off that thought for a second, just incredible, we'll be at our table, which will be the Pro Wrestling Keys table at the Glenn Kelly show on June 13th over at the Beast Comer in Seaside, New Jersey. So you got to keep that in mind. See the Pro Wrestling Keys table. The two-man power trip are there. So don't forget about the fine folks at ProWrestlingKeys.com. Got to mention them. So oh, yeah. Let's get, it. let's get into a little two-man power trip plugs here. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Please also subscribe to us on iTunes. And like Chad said, leave a review. Tell us how you feel. Give us some feedback. We would love it. Also, on Facebook, you can like us there, Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. Also, don't forget about the Twitter machine, at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Always some fun, good stuff on there. And, of course, our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. A lot of great stuff on there. You will enjoy that, I promise you. And also... Don't forget about the Bombas. Yes, that's right. The greatest sock of all time. The greatest sock in the history of socks. Go to bombas.com slash T-M-P-T-O-W, all lowercase, for 20% off your order. Yes, that is bombas.com slash T-M-P-T-O-W for 20% off your order. And not only do you get 20% off, remember this, every uh, pair of socks, that you buy, one gets donated to the homeless. That is the mission of Bombas because socks are the number one most requested item down there at the homeless shelters. So socks are very important, not only for us, but also for the homeless. So please, go and buy yourself. Maybe buy two because every pair you buy, one gets donated to the homeless. Also, just found out today from Bombas specifically, that they are now in solids. So you had all the great, fun colors that they had before, but now they're in solid colors as well. So that's bombas.com slash T-M-P-T-O-W, all lowercase, for 20% off your order. Now, folks, please enjoy the great, the legendary, the iconic, the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Tonight, the two-man power trip of wrestling short list of dream guests turns into a Russian nightmare as we welcome a former NWA national heavyweight champion, a former NWA United States champion, a two-time NWA tag team champion, an NWA and UWF television champion, and of course, one of my favorite all-time teams alongside Dusty Rhodes, a co-winner of the 1987 Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. We welcome Nikita Koloff to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, guys. Good evening. Great to be with you. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's our unique and utter pleasure uh, to have you join us tonight. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, 
everybody always talks about that 1980s era of professional wrestling and the glory days, if you will. Uh, and tr- maybe in this day and age in wrestling, trying to replicate, um, you know, some of the things that worked in the past. Now, do you still watch the wrestling product of today? You know, I do not. Um, and, and I mean, a couple different reasons. One, I'm not actually a, a major TV guy anyway. I haven't had uh, cable or satellite television for uh, over over eight years now. So I just, and, and the main reason for that is I just I just don't have time for it. Um, I've got a lot of other things that I'm that I'm doing, and and so I just don't really allot any time to uh, to TV viewing. Now, I may catch an occasional NFL football game every now and then, but uh, that that's that's about the extent of my television viewing. So now, with that being said, um, have you been, um, you know, brought brought to your attention the uh, the Russian character that they have on WWE currently, Rusev? Have you heard uh, about him at all? Well, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard not, in a sense, it's hard not to, in, in meaning, you know, I still run into a lot of wrestling fans. I mean, I played, uh, uh, I played golf with a, with a couple of wrestling fans today, and, and by that meaning I was in a celebrity golf tournament, and a couple of the guys I played with turned out to be old-school wrestling fans. And so, you know, we, we I have conversations periodically from time to time, and, and so people might bring up something like that. So I, I have been aware of this of this of this character, yes. So how do you feel a character like that could translate into today's, you know, uh, I guess not even I wouldn't even say the television audience, but also really the the you know, the the pulse of the actual like, you know, world landscape because back in the eighties the Russian United States uh conflict was much, much different than it is now, I guess, to a point, uh, you know, still some tension, obviously, but not as as much as it was in the 80s. Um, how do you think a character like that, uh, do you think it was ever going to evolve to still being around today? Well, you, you know, it, it seems like uh, just about everything, if you give it enough time, comes full circle, whether it's style of clothing or, or characters in wrestling. It seems like everything, at some point, you know, the remake of, of of movies and it just seems like everything does come full circle at some point and so I'm, I'm certainly not surprised that they've you, you might say or not necessarily resurrected the uh the the Russian character or or uh reinvented the Russian character not so much surprised by that um you know whether he's a heel or a baby face uh, you know that really depends on uh in today's time, at least current affairs, that that depends on really the the promotion uh, or the branding of the character, um, based on you know certainly in the past what what was going on with the Cold War era between the U.S. and and Russia and uh, who knows if if Putin has his way, uh, might, uh, this guy might turn into a real heel, uh, this this wrestling character. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Now, speaking of Russians, the most famous Russian name you could say in wrestling, really, to me, is the Koloff name. Now, how did you get into the wrestling business and then become Nikita Koloff, the Russian nightmare? 
I'm I'm honored by uh, certainly by uh, your uh, esteeming the Koloff name. I mean, there have been some some great guys in wrestling over the years. Uh, you know, I mean Nikolai Volkov had, had a had a great uh, wrestling career, uh, of course, and and others that actually even preceded. Uh, preceded me. I'm not a wrestling historian, but I know from, from past days um, that there are even some, some legendary guys, you know, back prior to, to my era. And, and so, but to an, in answer of the question, um, not something I was looking for. You know, wrestling was not on my radar, uh, either as a child growing up or even into my, uh, you know, uh, adult life. But, uh you know, a door of opportunity opened up, and and I simply walked through that door and took advantage of the opportunity. And of course, as the old cliche goes, uh, the rest was history. But the short version of that is, I was training for a pro football tryout, and Road Warrior Animal, who's a, a good friend of mine, we played college football together, uh, had already uh, had a, a successful launch of a career in wrestling, was approached by Don Kernodal, um, who he and Sergeant Slaughter had come up with the whole idea of a nephew for Ivan Koloff. Don approached Animal, uh, asked if he knew anyone who who wouldn't mind any big guys. I think the way the question was po- proposed was, do you know any big guys who wouldn't mind shaving their head and becoming a Russian? And... Uh, Animal, without hesitation, said, I know just the guy right now called me. I called the promoter in Charlotte, Jim Crockett, had a five-minute conversation with him. Sight unseen. He'd never seen me. Made sure he understood up front that I had no amateur wrestling background. I had no professional training. And if he was still interested, what would I need to do? And he told me what day to be in his office and to have my head shaved, I walked in the day he said to be there, and again, the the rest was history. And Nikita Koloff was was born in the hallway of Jim Crockett Promotions that day. And when you actually went down to your training, was it Don Cernoodle and quote unquote Uncle Ivan that were uh, training you? Training me for wrestling? Yeah, like in in ring. But after Jim Crockett met you and everything. And they said, "Hey, you know, we got to get you in the ring, start training." Who was the, you know, the, the, you're basically who's your trainers? Well, it wasn't. Let's get you in the ring and start training. It was uh, the morning I walked into his office. They put me on the interview set, and we did interviews. Well, Ivan and Don, I, I just stood there and looked mean. So, um, the, the storyline was I was right off the boat. I didn't speak any English, so all I had to do was look mean. So. I did that. We finished interviews, and Crockett said, be in Raleigh tomorrow night, Dorton Arena. You're going to wrestle on television. Mind you, I'd never even hit a ring rope. So there was no let's get him trained. Uh, It was get him to Raleigh tomorrow night, and he's going to wrestle on television. That was my introduction to pro wrestling in my first match on television. Sold out arena. Oh wow! So it's basically trial by you know by fire. They just threw you right in there. Yeah, looking back, uh, Don Cronulla and I have talked about it numerous times. So really, he brings it up. He's still kind of kind of taken back by it. the thought of the the way they approached it and what they did. Um, 
was re- really almost insane, but but nevertheless, you know, it, they did it and and it worked, and I was able to handle the pressures of it. But yeah, we got to rally that night. It was a sold out crowd, and um, kind of the who's who of wrestling was there for a special. It was like a special four hour TV taping, and um, I was on the third hour, and they showed me a couple basic things in the dressing room. Went to the ring, and 11 seconds later, I had my first win in professional wrestling on television in front of a sold-out crowd. It was crazy. Crazy. That's amazing stuff. Now, as far as Ivan Koloff, you know, former WWF world champion, what would you say his influence was on your career? Well, certainly, Ivan, without a doubt. Now, now with that said, let me just tag one more thing onto that. Um, what I did for the next couple months was Ivan, Don, and I would get to the get to the towns early. So I'm booked in a match every night. So we'd get to the towns early, and these guys would 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 work out with me and bump all over the ring and began to teach me the mechanics of wrestling, of professional wrestling. And then I would sit in Ivan and Don's corner. They were the world tag team champions. I would sit in their corner, the protege nephew, and watch their match. Ivan would sit in my corner and watch my match, and then we'd discuss it every night on the drive home. And and so it was kind of trial by fire, as I think you said uh, earlier. And uh, um, but I uh, I guess you might say it was a quick uh, quick understudy, and and learned uh, rather rather at an accelerated rate or pace. And so I get a, a tremendous amount of credit to, to Don and Ivan for teaching me about wrestling. And, and then I was very fortunate, too, because I was put in the ring at a, at a very early time in my career with, with some of the greats of the business, uh, you know, the Ricky the Dragon Steamboats and uh, uh, Johnny Weaver, who was legendary in mid-Atlantic wrestling, and Dory Funk Sr., excuse me, Dory Funk Jr., and and, and just guys who were incredible in the wrestling business who I had the privilege of wrestling very, very, I mean, in my first year of wrestling and learned tremendously from, from all of them. One thing I was uh, curious about, and I didn't know the actual story, but how did the nickname the Russian Nightmare come about? Was it just the fact that Dusty was the American dream? It was. You know, he came into the territory and uh, became the booker. So I was one of the first angles that that he uh, booked himself with, and so we from there that that's really where it kind of spawned was was the you know the American Dream Dusty Rose taking on Nikita Koloff and and I who who would become you know his worst nightmare and so it kind of kind of took off from from there and. And of course, you know, Ivan Ivan had the nickname the Russian Bear, so certainly we were you know kind of looking for a nickname, but it made it relatively easy when uh, when I was pitted against the American Dream. Great nickname. Yeah, and then definitely uh, perfect nickname goes along with you know also you know your look, which was so unique and uh, and different because. Back then, not everybody did have, like you said, the shaved head and just that physique that you had was so, you know, just so physically imposing. Uh, but when you got into the NWA, you were also teaming um, with, I guess, kind of, uh, 
you know, maybe an old friend from back um, in Minnesota, and that was Barry Darso as Crusher Khrushchev. Uh, what were your memories of, you know, first uh, actually teaming with him uh, in the wrestling business? Uh, it was fun. Uh, we played high school football together, and so to be reunited with him in the wrestling ring was uh, kind of a cool thing. And it was interesting story because he was in Louisiana actually teaming with Nikolai Volkov before Volkov went up to the WWF. And um, and so so Barry was already kind of an American turncoat character down in Louisiana. So when we brought him in to Charlotte as Crusher Khrushchev, it was an easy transition for him uh, to make to make that uh, to make that work. And then to be able to have him and I and and uh, and Ivan kind of inter- interchangeable. You know, we we took the uh, World Six Man Championship, and and then we were able to, uh, along with the World Tag Team belts, we, we for the first time we made that kind of interchangeable. So any two of the three uh, were eligible to wrestle for the World Tag Titles, which is a very unique thing in in uh, in the history of wrestling. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's one of the things that I always loved uh, the most was those different combinations. You never knew who you were going to get. Uh, when you got the two out of three guys, uh, but talk about maybe you know the the fans of that era and especially you know the Jim Crockett promotion fans, very dedicated and that six man, uh, you know that the, the, that that trio. You guys definitely had a lot of heat. Talk about maybe the fans uh, at that point towards the three of you uh, while you guys traveled. Well, again, you talk about a Cold War era, so. There were times I can remember. It immediately comes to mind Charleston, South Carolina, where um, the wrestling office had received phone calls uh, and threats that if the, if the Koloffs came to town, they were going to kill the Koloffs. And and uh, and Crockett never skipping a beat goes, "We'll we'll beef up security. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine." You know. <laughs> Think back. You know, some of the bands are. <laughs> were very, very serious about their wrestling. And to think back on it now, I'm like, man, you know, Ole Anderson, for example, had a scar across his chest from a wrestling fan that had pulled a knife out one, one night with him, you know, walking walking down an aisle. And so, you know, that there were some very avid, serious wrestling fans. And we did have some pretty tremendous heat. And, and so we had... a occasionally uh, uh, threats of that nature, but uh, fortunately nothing serious ever happened to uh, to any of the, the three of us. I'm going to think anybody who tries to uh, move towards you with any kind of uh, force like that must have, you know what's the size of grapefruits, because that is <laughs> definitely not a, uh, not a, a wise decision by any stretch of the imagination, but so then you talk about the passionate fans, and one guy who the fans were definitely behind is somebody who really, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you got your feet really wet with, and that was uh, Wahoo McDaniels. Could you talk about your matches with him and uh, working with him just at that you know, beginning stage of your career? Well, yeah, again, you know, with guys, guys like Wahoo, guys I mentioned earlier, actually a handful of matches against Black, um, uh, Blackjack, uh, uh, Blackjack Mulligan. I mean, there are some guys who, who you know, I didn't realize early on because again, I wasn't a wrestling fan growing up, 
So I'm in the ring with some of these legendary guys, you know, the, the King Kong Bundys and the Stan Hansons of the world who had really legendary careers. You know, Wahoo McDaniels, another one. I had, I had no idea the guy was legendary in the NFL, let alone let alone legendary in wrestling. And so, you know, learning about some of that really after the fact with many of them, um, it, it's quite humbling for me to look back on my career and, and realize now who I was actually in the ring with. And so a guy like Wahoo, who had a, a phenomenal career in, in professional wrestling, as well as professional football, just makes the career that much more, uh, makes me that much more appreciative of the career I had. And when you talk about, <clears throat> excuse me for a second, Dara, when you talk about Nikita Koloff, one name really, really jumps off, and it's Magnum TA. You guys had an awesome, awesome feud, the best of seven, you know, just a legendary, legendary feud. Can you talk a little bit about Magnum TA and what that feud was like being involved in one of the biggest feuds in the NWA at that time? That's a great question, and that is usually the number one thing I hear when I'm out and about meeting the wrestling fans, and whether it's doing Legends autograph signings or or just randomly meeting fans uh, from time to time as I travel. That's typically the number one thing I hear, the best of seven series with Magnum TA. Terry was a a great, great worker, had had that great white meat baby face look, uh, you might say, um, uh, kind of a dying art uh, in today's wrestling world. But, um, you know, just had that kind of, you know, that, that uh, a look about him that, that just drew the fans to want to cheer him. And, and that, you know, the, the, the epitome of evil, uh, the Russian nightmare and the Kitty Koloff just made for just great chemistry between the two of us. And, and so we did, we had some, uh, felt like some very, very classic matches. Um, uh, I know some of the comments from some of the fans from the past were, you know, they, they weren't quite sure about some of those matches, but the comment would be, but that match when the kid off Magnetia, that one was real. I don't know about them other ones, but, but, but that was, that, that match was real. Um, and he and I both agreed and had similar working styles. And by by that meaning, we worked what you might deem in the wrestling business as snug. And I know there were many who said, you know, part of the art of the business is being able to work light as a feather and, and but giving the appearance that you're killing the guy. But he and I just appreciated the, the snug style of wrestling and therefore created very believable matches um, in, in the eyes of the fans. And so it was an incredible uh, time working with him. And, of course, uh, we, we have maintained a, a great friendship since since those wrestling days. And obviously he was on track after the best of seven, you know, after your big feud with him. He's basically on track, skyrocketed. He was going to fight Ric Flair and possibly beat him for the NWA world title. But then... The accident happened, and uh, they turn and they look to the number one heel, basically, at the time, which is you, and they basically flip you and make you the number one. Such a weird dynamic going from one extreme to the other. It, it was, and, and he was being 
groomed to be the next long-running world champion, and and then you know, of course, having the, the rug pulled out from under him with with the car wreck, um, and then leaving that void. It was uh, kind of a bizarre uh, idea uh, initially. Um, I was still relatively new in into the into the business, so I still didn't know a whole lot in terms of psychology and and character development and all that. But Dusty Rhodes and Jim Crockett had much more experience than I did when it came to booking and and promoting uh, that sort of thing, and so. They they both thought, hey, it's a uh, you know it's we're 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 really stepping outside of the box here, but we really believe that that this might work. Um, obviously, never having had a a, a Russian baby face before, um, they thought you we feel like you're the guy that can pull it off. And so as the, as we talked about it, I was comfortable with with just trusting their judgment, and we did it. Yeah, it was one of the best kept secrets ever, I believe, in wrestling, and and one of the great, from what I'm told, one of the one of the greatest turns in wrestling. We did sell out business everywhere we went for the next year and a half. So uh, they they were obviously right in in their in their uh, prediction, in their judgment. Yep, and basically, I mean, it was doing great business, and you go to Starcade '86, the biggest show of the year for the NWA. And you end up fighting Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight Championship. What was that moment like, and what was it like working with Rick? Well, keep, keep in mind, we we'd already worked with DJ. I, I got the privilege of working with Rick 13 months into the business from the day I started in the first ever Great American Bash. Now, obviously, I was a heel on that particular night, but to have that opportunity only 13 months into the business in is in and of itself um, r- really just a again an incredibly humbling thing and so we had had already uh, a number of of matches um, leading up to Starcade 86 now now it's flipped I'm the baby face he's the heel and and we're um doing a unique simulcast between Greensboro, Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. And, again, to to just work with him, he was one of the most consummate workers ever in the wrestling business. We, we like to say he could take a broomstick and make it look good. So it didn't matter your ability in the ring. If you're working with Ric Flair, he can make a match of he can make a match with anybody and 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 still make it look good. So to 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 bring a guy like me as green as I was along uh, at an accelerated rate again was just an absolute treasure for me to be able to have that opportunity to have as many matches I, as I had with him uh, over the course of my my career and nothing but uh, just compliments uh, to Rick and. In, in the fact that he helped build the character of Nikita Koloff and, and really put me on the map. And then a little bit after that, obviously you team up with Dusty, you become the superpowers, which is a great tag team. And then there's a great picture um, of you guys holding up the Crockett Cup as you guys won the 1987 Crockett Cup. 
what was it like teaming with Dusty? So what were those crowds like? They just seemed like they were nuts for you guys. They were. They were electrifying would be the way I would phrase it. And uh, I enjoyed tagging with Dusty. We became uh, really, uh, really close. Um, we traveled together, uh, drove drove uh, to a lot of towns together, him and I, and and uh, just became uh, became uh, good friends, and um, which I I know from other interviews and conversations, he's um, not uh, not necessarily considered by by many of my, my peers in the business to uh, have have received uh, a lot of compliments, but. You know, it's neither here nor there. I, for one, have uh, just a lot of respect for Dusty. His his uh, psychology and ring knowledge and skill and ability um, in and out of the ring. And so he's another one who helped really uh, put the character uh, on the map to, to what it became. And so to become the superpowers and travel with him and stand before sold-out crowds, electrified crowds, was uh, was thrilling to say the least. The, you know, when the the two day tournament in Baltimore was what um, was uh, a lot of fun, and just have very fond memories looking back at the uh, the superpowers and and what we did together. 1987, the feud of the year was the superpowers along with the Road Warriors, which is just an awesome, awesome team. Looking at it, I mean, putting those teams together is great. And you guys ended up feuding with the Four Horsemen. And then, of course, War Games comes about. Can you tell us a little bit about working the War Games match and being involved in the War Games? Another, uh, another amazing uh, creation of Dusty's that uh, yeah. that got got over big time. Um, what a, what a concept! You know, double ring, double cages. You know, cage completely caged in. You know, flip a coin, two guys in, alternating back and forth, and you know, with uh, a two-on-one advantage until uh, all, all ten guys are in the ring and, you know, until someone quits. The fans, I mean, just ate it up everywhere we went. They they, they loved it. And and it was fun to be a part of, you know, as as the fans tried to guess, you know, who's next and what's going to happen. And it just kept them, really kept the fans on the edge of their seat and, and in, in engaged from from the opening bell to the to the to, to the final bell, you know, and so really it was uh, amazing to be a part of. Yeah, you know, we actually we had on JJ uh, Dillon a while back, um, and he just he still talks about the absolute, you know, veracity of participating in the War Games match and that, you know, an injury that he had that still to this day bothers him and he cannot actually watch the actual match. You know, of war games because it was so vicious and had such an impact on uh, on him. Now, did you have any reservations about a match like the war games at that point? Not, not really. I mean, you know, the thing about about uh, our our profession that I think I think more people now have an appreciation or an understanding for is is uh, you know the the. The athleticism, the the skills and ability that it takes to get in the ring to do what we do or do what we did, um, understanding that that now or better understanding the, really that you might say the dangers of what we did because because it's not an exact science 
and you do put a lot of trust into the hands of 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 who you're working with, your opponent. That that serious things can and and will and do happen in and outside of the the squared circle. That uh, that we uh, you know we have gained much bigger appreciation by by the fan, I believe, for for what we're what we were doing, and for myself, um, not so much. For me personally, it wasn't so much uh, a match like the War Games as much as it was an individual. And by that I mean there were certain individuals who had a reputation of being more reckless than others, more careless, you might say, when it came to uh, to some of their moves or, or their, their, ring, their ring skills and abilities. And so if I were cautious at all, it was what I allowed uh, an opponent to do to me in the ring as opposed to a match itself like the war games. Yeah, I can uh, <laughs> I can definitely see, you know, that there would, uh, y- your opponent, you know, you're putting your opponent's trust in you for that, and that's definitely got to be something very trying. But, you know, let's talk about something, you know, outside of the actual business, but, you know, from the ring point of view at that point. Was there any interest at all from Vince and the WWF in trying to lure you over in that 86, 87, 88 time period? No, you know, uh, Crusher left us and, and went up and, and created Demolition. And, uh, you know, he had originally had asked me to go with him. And and I was certainly, um, you know, certainly... Uh, Certainly humbled at, at, at his his invitation, but really without hesitation, uh, it was not something that I really considered uh, for for a couple of reasons. One, I'd worked really really hard uh, on developing the character of Nikita Koloff, and wasn't really interested in going up there and taking on a new character in uh, a new role, uh, and that was the biggest reason why why. Why I declined the offer, uh, but secondly, you know what he had described to me, you know, became I felt you know kind of a spinoff of of the Road Warriors and and just out of respect for Mike and Joe, uh, that was a, another factor why I didn't go do that. But the biggest one was how hard I worked on the character of Nikita Koloff and and just. What wasn't willing to give up that character. As far as Vince or the WWF or any of them pursuing me, they they really didn't, um, and I didn't pursue them. Uh, I felt very loyal to the NWA and to Jim Crockett because they did give me my break. And again, as I described earlier in the interview, um, you know, putting a guy in the ring on television without one hour of of professional training or training camp experience was taking quite a risk. Jim Crockett rolled the dice. Uh, It worked out well for him and for me. And for that reason, I just felt a real loyalty to to Jim and to the NWA. And so could I have played that card like many guys did and leveraged, uh, leveraged that for more money? I could have, but I didn't. As we wind down here, looking back at your career, I mean, so many memorable, great matches, obviously tag matches, 
with the Russians, and then your feud with uh, Magnum TA, then you had a feud with Sting, then you had a little mini feud with Terry Taylor, which was great. Now, what would you say would be your favorite match of all time, if you could narrow it down, or maybe even matches? Well, I get, I get asked that question often, and and it, it would be hard, or it is hard. I mean, again, you go back to some of these matches, you, you, you kind of kind of all blur together. I mean, matches with Stone Cold Steve Austin, matches with Cactus Jack, um, Jake the Snake Roberts, R- Ravishing Rick Rude. I mean, just go right through a litany list of guys who who had pretty storied careers in wrestling that uh, was fortunate to Big Van Vader. You know, just guys' names just keep coming to mind that, that I was fortunate to be in the ring with. And and uh, But I, I probably have to say one I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, you know, if I look back, uh, and, and that would be that very first ever match against Rick at the Great American, the first ever Great American Bash. Uh, again, 13 months into the business. I mean, I'm still green, still wet behind the ears, and yet uh, I, I was uh, given the opportunity to step into a main event match against, uh, you know, a legend like Ric Flair and and have uh, have that kind of exposure and so if I had to pinpoint just one, um, you know, that, that would be at uh, tag team matches uh, against the Road Warriors. But then you also mentioned the, the, the eight-man matches against the Horsemen. So, so many wonderful memories. Now, thinking about all the opponents you've had, I mean, obviously Magnum TA definitely you know, sticks out big time as, as a great opponent of yours. As you say, you guys kind of go hand in hand. But there was another opponent you almost had, uh, I believe this is, story is true. You almost were an opponent of Sylvester Stallone in Rocky Four. Is that story actually true? Were you actually <laughs> going to be in that movie? It's a true story. Um, kind of a funny story. I'll give you the short version of that. Uh, they flew me out to L.A. and uh, it was myself, Dolph Lundgren, and another guy who came down to between the three of us uh, as to who would get the final cast for Ivan Drago and uh, the main character in, in Rocky IV. And so we were, we were on the set with Stallone, and they kind of drew straws, and I actually got the short stick, and I had to go first, And so which I was, I was fine with that. And so I, I did, uh, I read through my lines a couple times, and um, and then Stallone said, uh, hey, let, hey let's, let's do one together. And here's, this, here's the scene. He goes, huh? we're going to be side by side. You're going to read your lines. We're going to turn towards each other. Finish your lines, but and then let's just let's just you know you're you finish your lines, stare me in the face, and then we'll have a stare down, and we'll you know we'll we'll cut. I'm like cool, so we do it, and uh, halfway through I I turn towards him, I I deliver the lines, and I'm just you know eye to eye, nose to nose, staring him down, and uh, he yells cut, and he says he asks the director, he goes well how was it you know little sidebar cliff note here, you know, Sly in, in real life, I mean, he's in great shape. He's always kept himself in great shape, but he's about a buck 60, five foot six, about a buck 60. I mean, dripping wet with rocks in his pocket. I mean, legitimate, right? And, you know, he looks huge on the silver screen, but he's a, he's a small guy. A lot, a lot of, a lot of actors are. Well, Keep in mind, visually, you have to get this picture in your mind's eye. I fly out there. I'm 285 pounds, 34-inch waist with, with 8% body fat. 
So you get the picture now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Get that picture. And and so when we do that scene and we turn towards each other, the way the lighting was in the studio when he when he yells cut, the director says, Well, it was pretty good till you turned towards each other. And then he cast a shadow on you, and we lost you. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but I knew this almost immediately. That wasn't good for his ego or my opportunity when, when they lost him in my shadow. And, uh, of course, a couple weeks later, they gave me a call, and uh, they said, hey, they said, You're, you delivered the lines. You, you were unbelievable how you delivered the lines. And, Yada yada. However, even for Hollywood, the character of Rocky versus Ivan Drago and your size differential, even for Hollywood, it would just be too unbelievable that he'd be able to come back and 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 beat you as big as you are. And, and I understood it, and I just said, "Hey, look, I'm just humbled by the opportunity you gave me to even even consider me as one of the." One of the three finalists, of course, they, you know, they, I think Dolph did it. I think he read his lines after me. And, of course, they, everyone knows they gave him the gave him the role, and the rest was history. So, yeah. That crazy story. I almost was like, yeah, I wonder if this is really true. And, I mean, because you always read it, but, you know, you gotta you got to ask you yourself if it is true. That, that's amazing. That would have been cool if you were in that movie because you can almost figure yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, it would have, uh, no telling what it might have done, could have done, you know, whether it had been for my wrestling career or, or or even a movie career, you know. But uh, I look back and go, you know, it just wasn't wasn't part of the plans and journey. It wasn't part of, you know, for for me, um, I was, it was, again, just humbled to have had that opportunity, but it just it wasn't, uh, wasn't part of the plans for my life. Question I just wanted to ask you as, as we're winding down here. I was always curious. Now, your dad was a World War II vet. Is it weird playing an anti American, or was it weird playing an anti American villain character given, you know, your past with your father? <laughs> um, not really. Quite honestly, it wasn't even something I really, really even gave. Uh, gave much, much thought to as far as that goes. No, knowing wrestling was a, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes, that it was uh, uh, more on the entertainment side of things, and it was just a character that I was portraying. My family, my family all handled it real well. I mean, when I first told them I was leaving, headed to the Carolinas to become a professional wrestler, and I was going to become a Russian guy, and at one point legally changed my name, and and they they were they were cool with all of it, and and. Uh, to the to this day, I mean, I'm 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 Nikita to my family and uh, as well as to the rest of the world, and so just was something something that I didn't really really give like I say much consideration to. But looking back, I guess it is kind of ironic, isn't it, that my dad um, is the, uh, the the World War II vet and and I did portray. Uh, although keep in mind, um, in that time. The Russians and the Americans were allies as well. Mm, true, remember so. So, yep, very true. And Nikita, before we uh, before we get into all the plugs and where uh, the great listeners can find you, 
could you just give us uh, maybe an idea of what you think you know your lasting legacy would be on the wrestling business looking back on your great career? Well, it, it was, uh, you know, I've been kind of coined the, the Barry Sanders of, of professional wrestling from, from many people, by many people's accounts, meaning, um, you know, Barry Sanders left the NFL at, at the prime of his career by choice and, um, and myself uh, as well. I, I chose to, to leave the professional wrestling ranks at a relatively young age before many were, were going into um, or, or really at a time when many just go into the prime of their wrestling career and combine that with, you know, I left right, bef- right before all the, um, you know, the, the big contracts, big fat contracts were an explosion of what has since transpired since, since leaving wrestling um, and now being able to come back and, like I said, do some legends things, but also, you know, you might say tag teaming or partnering with uh, another guy who we had hadn't really mentioned tonight, but who is one of my absolute best friends, and we do a lot of of things together, and that's the total package. Lex oh Luger, yes, uh, yes, and yeah. So another guy that uh, you know mm-hmm. we had some some great classic matches with, but now um, him and I teaming up, uh, traveling, and, and uh, basically doing a, a full-time ministry and some of those sorts of things with now. Uh, I never would have thought when I left wrestling that it'd be Lex and I would be traveling the, the, the roads and, and speaking into men's lives and, and uh, you know, reach out and touch and impacting a, a, a wrestling community for, for a variety of reasons. But it's been really an amazing adventurous journey for me guys uh, in wrestling being a chapter of it um just just adds to the adventure awesome well yeah nikita thank you so much this has been great and please tell the fine folks where exactly we can find nikita koloff well it, the the simplest way to uh you know to read more of the story and and what i've done uh, since the wrestling days from from writing books to traveling to 27 different countries and and, and tag teaming with some of these different uh, different wrestlers of days gone by, it's just to go to NikitaKoloff.com. That's that's the easiest way to, to to get filled in on on even more of the story. Of course, they can go on Amazon and, and pick up some of the books. Wrestling with Success. Uh, the latest one is Nikita: A Tale of the Ring and Redemption. Uh, and uh, my first one was breaking the chains, but all of them they can get off Amazon.com, and and who knows, maybe I'll uh, come into uh, come into their town, come into the uh, the wrestling fans I consider to be some of the absolute greatest fans on the planet, and I've had the privilege of meeting many of them over these last 20 years, and look forward to to meeting many more over the next 20 years. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Nikita. This was an absolute pleasure, and what a great walk down memory lane with you. This was just, uh, like I said at the beginning, it was a, a dream come true turned into a Russian nightmare. So thank you so much.